You're listening to the PK Experience Podcast, where I tap into the minds of today's impact players. My name is Peter King. I'm the host of the show, and this is a special COVID-19, aka coronavirus coronavirus episode. It is with a very special guest. Her name is Melissa Jan. She is someone who has endured and survived and thrived uh, against many viruses and diseases, and her expertise in this area is... Um, so inspirational, and I'm excited and honored to share it with you. She is someone who contracted a uh, immune disorder after a vaccination gone wrong. So ever since 2010, she was uh, exposed and vulnerable to several viruses and diseases. And the way that she has developed a framework for thinking about and managing her emotions through very difficult, very painful, and very scary um, physical discomfort is again uh, very inspirational, and I think will be of use for a lot of us who are just now entering this whole new world with regards to dealing with viruses. So uh, I'm going to leave it at that, and let's get into the call. Here I am with Melissa Jan. All right, I'm here with Melissa Aisha Jean. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Good. I, I uh, had to stumble through your name a little bit there. I apologize. Um, thank you for doing this call. Um, you are someone who is so uniquely positioned to handle what the world is dealing with right now, i.e. pandemics and viruses and diseases, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I'm, I'm really, I feel very fortunate to have you on the call and uh, so that we can help people with this information and your experience. Um, so thank you. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I, uh, I never thought that I would, you know, be able to, I never thought I would be in this position, but you know, I'm glad somebody has been through something like it before. <laughs> well, who knew that we would be here two weeks ago? I mean, it, it's amazing how quickly the world has changed and probably will not change back to what we knew before. I mean, this is a pretty pivotal moment, moment in human existence quite honestly i mean it, has there ever been a time when the world came to a grinding halt as quickly as it has i i mean yeah. i don't know about the other pandemics but um it seems like a, a, a yeah not recently for sure right. yeah um all right well so for those that uh don't know about your story why don't we get into that a little bit and and if you would share you know what happened to you and um how it's ultimately led to where we are today yeah, absolutely. Um, so in 2010, I think I was like 25, um, I, I you know, went to a routine doctor appointment and my doctor wanted me to get the HPV vaccine. <clears throat> um, and I did not want to get it at first, but then I actually let fear, I let the fear, uh, I trusted it over my intuition. So after we talked and she kept, you know, giving me all her reasons for it, I, you know, the fear crept in and I was like, well, shit, maybe she, okay. She, you know, she knows what she's talking about. And I asked all the normal questions that you probably would. Is it safe? You know, what are the risks, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, you know, as with most vaccines, you know, they downplay a lot of that. Um, <clears throat> so got the HPV vaccine. And what, what was your intuition? My intuition was a hard no. Like she was like, Hey, have you had the HPV vaccine? I was like, no, you should get it. No, 
Like that was the conversation. And then I had, you know, recently gone through a big breakup um, with someone who I was very serious with. So she kind of, she was aware of that. So she kind of used that to be like, well, you know, you're single, you don't know who you're going to meet or sleep with. And if you get HPV, cervical cancer, blah, 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 you don't want to put yourself in that position and just kind of kept going on and on. And so I started being like, oh shit maybe she's right. You know, like, man, that's right. I thought I was going to be sleeping with this other person for the rest of my life. And now I'm not like, shit, shit, what do I do? Okay. Give me the shot. Um, and, and that was, that was really the logic that got me there at the time. And that's a fairly uh, common shot that people get, right? Um, it is. Yeah. I mean, there, and not just people, you know, like, young people and you know older people they're they're really pushing it so um yeah so you know i just i was like all right you know you know what you're talking about so you're you know i'll take it um and then you know within like 24 hours i started developing you know symptoms of just illness so like anybody i thought oh I, i must have picked up a cold at the doctor's office and you know i didn't really think much of it but that first bout of illness was four months long no break um and it seemed like every week it was changing so i didn't really you know it's like when you have a cold usually it's pretty consistent symptoms it was like it'd be a head cold and a chest cold i had this incessant cough the whole time that caused people like at my job to stop in my office and say should you be here Mm. you know like it it sounded it 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 was very obvious i was very sick so at some point you know about three four months in i kind of went you know i've been going back because i'd also have random fevers and you know all sorts of things and i finally went back after i don't know third or fourth time and i was like look i feel like i'm going crazy (laughs) i've been healthy in my life you know, up until this point. And, um, you know, the, the room is spinning when I'm at work and this is happening. And I, I feel like I'm going crazy. And my friends think I have mono because I fall asleep in the oddest places at the oddest times. I take naps in the middle of the day. I don't know much about it, but do you think maybe I have that? No, you don't have mono. Hmm. And I just, I looked at her and I was just like, look, I feel like I'm going crazy. Please do something. And so then she was like, you know what, you know, okay, it's just a blood test. We'll test you. And then it came back positive from mono. So again, like most people, I was like, oh, okay. I don't know much about mono, but it's a fairly common, you know, virus. So must pick it up somewhere. Okay. I'll just, it'll be a few more months maybe of crappiness and I'll be okay. And then that just kept happening for, I mean, incessantly it was, this virus and that virus and this infection. And they were all different um, like body parts even that were that were involved. Um, actually up until that point, I had this thing of a TMI, but let's go there. I never had an abnormal pap. Uh, for the two and a half years after that, I started having abnormal paps. I started having like all sorts of weird, infe- I mean, so it was just, it, it kept going. And I pretty much had something chronic uh, at, all the time, whether you could see it or whether you couldn't. Right. Something that I was fighting off. At at what point did you realize that this was related to the vaccination? You know, so I had brought it up a couple of times with doctors, just kind of really trying to just brainstorm with them. And immediately it was always 
met with dismissal. Like, no, there's no way. And, and dismissal over things like this is bad luck, you know, not dismissal over here's a, a viable option that we can look at or tackle just blatant dismissal. And so I, I, trusted them. You know, I mean, I'm a huge science nerd. I love science. I love biology, chemistry, like growing up, I, you know, read all sorts of things. Um, at one point I wanted to go to med school to be a shrink. I mean, I am, you know, if there was anybody who was more into science and trusted it and medicine, you know, at the time it was me. So I believed it. And then probably about like three years in, um, so I got mono again and I, I kept getting reoccurring things. And it was like around a time of year and something just triggered the memory of when I got the vaccine because I, and I think the universe for this, I happened to have a friend's birthday coming up that weekend. So I distinctly remember thinking, oh shit, like I don't want to get sick. I want to show up for the birthday. And so I was like, huh, I remember that was when mono started. And I was like, nah, it can't be. Let me just, I must be wrong. Let me go back and look at the dates. And it was that date. Um, and so I was like, is it possible? And that's when I started, you know, at this point, Western medicine, modern doctors are, are just dismissing me. They're also not giving me other options. So at this point, I'm like, all right, like any normal human this day and age, I'm like, I'm going to Google HPV vaccine mono. And I start to see all these stories mm. about it's there seems, you know, it's obviously it's it wasn't everybody, but there was enough of a coincidence that I was like, wait a minute something's off. And then I started finding people that had very severe nervous system reactions to it, children even. And so then I was like, Oh my God, you know, up until this point I had normal, healthy, young adult. So at that point I was like, you know what? I don't care what they say that did something, you know? And, um, but you know, at that point it didn't matter what, what was that going to get me? You know, you were, you were healthy all the way up into that point. Yeah. So, so here's what, you know, I actually did have a rare disease when I was three Kawasaki's disease. Um, and they don't actually know that much about it, but, um, it is technically part classified infectious disease, part classified autoimmune. So this is also in my medical record, by the way. So if you're going to go off the instance of, I had a pre-existing, you know, up and, and let me, that was a period of time in the hospital. And then they checked to make sure you don't have existing, you know, heart conditions and things from it. And which I followed up on that care and then I was fine. So from three to 25, nothing out of the ordinary, I would get normal, you know, viruses and illness like everybody else. Um, you know, I had chicken pox and I had flus and colds and it was just like everyone else, you know, took me down for like a hot minute and then I was fine. Mm -hmm. Um, and my mom used to joke, I was the healthiest person in the family because I bounced back from things the quickest. So even if, you know, and, and I think that is something, right. That's something to say, but I had been getting vaccines this entire time, you know, childhood. So I had no way of even thinking that there was any reason not to. And then the, this is in my medical file. So doctors have access to this. And even though it will say about vaccines, hey, you know, if you have pre-existing health conditions, maybe you should think about it. They always say, talk to your doctor. Right. Well, I did. <laughs> and, you know, so 
obviously I'm, I'm not pro-vax, I'm not anti-vax. And the reason I think it's important to say that is because a lot of times people are very, very polarized on this topic. But yeah, between three and 25, nothing. Nothing that was so blatantly, obviously, like any type of illness or anything like that. Um, and so, yeah. So, and then I, I really couldn't have that kind of conversation with doctors. You know, I was like, okay, obviously my immune system isn't functioning well because I'm catching everything and it's cousin and it's mom and it's aunt. <laughs> and, you know, and the thing is I was worked in corporate. So I was very organized, technical project manager. I led big projects. I led teams. So I would come in there with a bulleted list. I, I got used to just not mentioning the vaccine at all because I would just get immediate dismissal. So, and I decided at this point, what's it going to do? It doesn't, it doesn't change anything. They you, can't. You would go into the doctor's office, you're saying, with the bulleted list? Yeah, bulleted list of like, you know, October 2010, mono, number one, you know, and then the infections that happened after that, then, you know, 2011, mono number two, and, and the duration these illnesses were lasting. You know, so, I mean, it's not like I wasn't clear with the history of what was going on. And as the years went on, the list got significantly longer to the point that they would react with shock when they saw it. Mm. But then when I would say, can we look into this more? Because I, prior to 2010, I was a healthy young adult. They would just be like, oh, mm, you know, it's probably fine. It's bad luck. Oh, you had mono. Your, your system's probably just sorting it out. That was within the first year. They stopped saying that after that. Um, and it was just excuse, excuse, excuse. It was like, really, it was like, we don't even know. Nobody actually said this outright, but I, I figured out at some point it was, we don't even know where to begin or, or what to look for. You're and that was really the case. But nobody actually had the balls to say that to me until about seven years in. Um, and did you have the same doctor the whole time or how often? Um, I did for years at a time. But then like I also saw specialists of all kinds uh, during that. So probably in like this up until I crashed at the end of 2016, I probably like looking back at um, different you know, primary care physicians ahead of time, different um, specialists I had, I probably saw at least between 15 and 20 doctors. Mm. Um, and I wasn't even consistently, like toward the end for a while, I was like, all right, every time I go, I don't get anything. So in the beginning, I saw more doctors, um, beginning, middle. Um, and then I kind of just got used to not getting anything except for, like placating positivity. Mm. You're young. It won't be that bad. You know, I get hang something. In there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hang in there. It won't be that bad. It'll be fine. And I'd just be like, okay, I'm just, okay. <laughs> trying to, trying to live your life. You're, you're yeah. going into work now having to handle carrying yeah. all that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Going into work. And then, you know, as you can imagine, most uh, healthy people don't really can't relate. So, you know, for a while, I just, I really stopped telling people some of this stuff because I'm starting to realize that, you know, even if they, if they agree, they're like, yeah, I'm tired too. You know, their ability to function in the world is significantly higher than mine. So clearly, you know, they're not quite understanding it. Uh, in the way I'm experiencing something. 
And so I just, I really just, I defaulted to like the child that was the eldest child from a mother of her single parent, like badass survivor. And mm. I just defaulted to willpower at mm. that point, like smiling, pushing through it, you know, t- like experimenting with the natural things that I read about and studied and, you know, doing a lot of reading and stuff behind the scenes, but a lot, it was behind the scenes because there wasn't, I didn't really have a lot of support. I didn't really have a lot of understanding. And when modern medicine says nothing is wrong with you, you also don't have a lot of compassion. You know, people Mm -hmm. are more likely to look at you like you're crazy than they are to be like, Oh man, I don't know what's going on, but you know, I'm sorry. How, how can I, even be a year for you. Yeah. You're, you're doing this for, for attention or you're doing that. Like, is, is that sort yeah. of what you would get? Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, and simple things like, yeah, it was Not no doctor bad. ever said that to me, but it was like, well, are you stressed? Like yeah. maybe it's stress. Yeah. Um, and you know, things like that. Oh, it's bad luck. Oh, it's, uh, well, you know, we don't really know. Mm. Mm. And then, you know, all at the same time, like kind of looking at their watch, kind of like backing out of the room, kind of like, we don't have time for this. Mm-hmm. What What would you say was your lowest point during all that? Uh, my lowest point was in 2016 um, when my body just completely crashed. So I'd had immune systems. Uh, clearly, I had an immune system that wasn't functioning um, healthily. And then about 2014 forward, I started noticing really significant nervous system symptoms. Again, didn't know what to do, kept pushing forward. 2016, you know, I just had several normal like infections, whether it was like a stomach bug or a flu, who knows, kind of back to back in the summer. And I just never recovered. So in August of 2016, after that last like stomach flu, at least before I crashed, I just, all of a sudden it was like my willpower reserves were also out now and I couldn't even keep up with just sleeping and working. Mm -hmm. Um, And my job was fantastic at the time. So I'm grateful for that. They, you know, I had issue with them. So they let me do a lot of work from home and, and go to, so at this point I'm like, shit, I don't know what to do. I got to go back to doctors. And at this point they realized something significant is going on because my number of the severity of symptoms are quickly increasing the number of symptoms especially neurological ones are quickly increasing and other systems are jacked up like my digestion was jacked up you know i mean just head to toe i was kind of a mess so i go in and all of a sudden i have four to five appointments every week whether it's an actual test whether it's an actual specialist whether it's actual blood work i mean about four to five times a week i was doing something seeing someone because they're trying to figure it out at that point at the end of all that they had a lot of and a lot of the specialists had a lot of well we see some abnormalities maybe you know like we said little off, but nothing that actually explains all of your symptoms. It's not our problem. Like this is not the right specialty. It's somebody else. Okay. Who do you think I should be seeing instead? There was really only one doctor who ever pointed me to another resource. Um, but all the rest of them, we don't know. 
I think that's something that really needs to change in our in our healthcare system because we're so specialized that we're not seeing the biological chain and how one thing affects another thing, which affects another thing. Everybody's zoomed in on their one area of specialty, not seeing the bigger picture to understand, hey, if we just solve this one thing, it would it would affect everything else down the line. Um, Absolutely. Can you can you um, share with us, like? emotionally, how are you, I mean, you're dealing with life and death diseases and, 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 or debilitating diseases. Help us understand what that was like emotionally. Um, well, so my lowest point, so somewhere at the end of all of that, I don't have any really good answers. The first diagnosis I ever got was Lyme disease and it was because I had one positive test and then one negative test. Um, that's a whole nother story and I can explain at some point why that happened. But um, at this, at the end of all these testing, I had no real answers and I was decreasing quickly and I was in head to toe pain every day, all day. So I, I'm not going to lie. I was de- I depressed is not even the right word because depression requires energy. I was just so depleted on every level, like the kind of exhaustion in every cell of my body from just trying to stay alive was exhausting Mm. and just took everything out of me, you know? So it was terrifying and it was scary. And I actually, that's the first time I ever accepted death. And the way that happened actually was because I was thinking, you know, while I'm in bed in pain and I'm thinking, there is no, like, I don't care what you believe in. There is no divine being in this damn universe that would want somebody to live this way. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, it doesn't make sense. So I thought I was dying at that point, And I was just praying that it would come quickly. That was step one. Step two was like, why isn't this coming quickly? Like, I, <laughs> this hurts. This is hard. I don't believe any God would, would think this is okay. And then finally, after like a couple weeks of that, I decided like, and again, things are quick, continuing to escalate. I just got to a point where I told my mom and my, my good, my closest friends, uh, I kept this very small because people do not re- react well to this typically. But I said, hey, I love you guys very much. And I can try not to get emotional, but I love you very much and I want to be here, but I don't believe any God wants someone to suffer like this. So if I can get some progress, like I need any answer, like one step forward, you know, if I can't figure that out at some point, I promise you, I'm going to hold on as long as I can. But then I want to go on a year trip with you. And then I want to end it. Like, I don't. Whew, it's been a while since I went back there. Hmm. Um, and the hilarious thing was, is as soon as I accepted that, and luckily, um, most of the people that I told were like, very, they're like, okay, we get it. Like, we don't want that, but we get it. And um, literally within the next month, I got my first diagnosis. <laughs> but it wasn't from a doctor, actually. Uh, it was, but the idea came from other patients. 
Uh, what do you mean that you got your first diagnosis? Uh, so remember I said Lyme, Lyme was my first diagnosis. So right? when I had been going through, you know, all of these tests, I had about six months prior, I created an online um, chronic illness Twitter account. And at the time, I didn't know what I had. So I was attracting people with all different types of illnesses um, because all I was doing was telling them what they needed to hear. Like, you know, it's, it's okay to vent. It's okay to cry. You're going to be okay. Like, this is a safe space. Get it all out. Mm. So I attracted a few thousand followers and um, they wanted to know, okay, tell us what's going on with these tests. Everybody knew I had a lot of crazy symptoms, but I had no answers. So they wanted to know. So I was telling them. So when I said, hey, my, my Elisa was positive on Lyme, but my Western blot was negative. So the infectious disease doctor and everyone said, it's definitely, I'll never forget these. It is definitely not Lyme disease. So I was telling them that. So I was like, it can't be that. Like, I know that sounds maybe like it's close, but it's not. And then a bunch of patients were like, no, 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 no. You need to look into that. And I was like, well, what are you talking about? And then they sent me a bunch of information. Uh, you know, this is where it starts to, you got to start to think outside of the box. They sent me a bunch of out of the box information about how there were a lot of people who had these like latent infections and there was m multiple reasons why they weren't being caught. But that you basically, I figured from that, I watched a few documentaries, I read a few things. And then I figured from that shit, um, from the documentaries, it was, the, it was the closest I'd ever heard someone repeating my story back to me. And within 30 seconds, I was bawling. Um, so I realized there's something here. And so I, at that moment, I fired any existing doctor that I had because um, I wasn't getting anywhere with them. And I went and I went to the patient community and I said, okay, like what doctors do you use? Like, I don't even care if it's not Lyme disease, but like, I just want somebody who's willing to work with me and try, you know, is, is enough to believe me and to try. Mm -hmm. And so that was when I found more open-minded doctors. Um, and that was what started my journey back. So we talked to, you, you talked about some really, um, touch and go moments, in, in your experience, how do you, what have you learned about things like accepting death? And um, you talked about uh, giving space a little bit for the fear to actually exist and being okay with that. It's okay to cry. It's okay to do those things. What kind of tips have you learned to navigate the emotional uh, uncertainty that you were experiencing? Absolutely. So, you know, the first one was just the acceptance of death. Um, and all that is, is really just letting go of attachment, <laughs> you know, attachment to life, attachment to anything. Um, and I want to say when I had that backup plan, I did not under any circumstances want to die. I did not want to die. I did, I did not want to commit suicide. I had no previous history of mental illness. I had no symptoms really of mental illness. Like I just, it was a... I'm out of ideas and I don't think I can live like this for the next, you know, 60 years of my life. I don't think I will survive it, but you know, so, um, really it was, I've learned and then, you know, things happened after this that challenged me even more. Like that was just the beginning when you start treating some of these things, shit, it's here. So, um, I learned every time that I have accepted death, I almost immediately have some sort of breakthrough. Mm. Um, and so there's 
there's really like two ways to do that. And the first is you have to accept the feelings first. Um, a lot of the times we resist the feelings. So you're, you never give yourself a chance to release because you're just sitting here trying to like push it down. And if it blows up, it's going to blow up in a bad way. It's not actually going to be productive. So you have to accept the, the fear, the anger sometimes, the uh, uncertainty. And you do that by being human, meaning you know, for some people that's going to be fucking crying and just bawling for a minute. And for other people, it's going to be writing. And for other people, it's going to be yelling a little bit. Try not to direct it at, you know, people you love, you know, yell on your balcony. Um, so really first thing I started doing, which is I just let the emotion come. And here's the thing. If you don't let it come, you will get to a point where you have no choice. Mm-hmm. Your body will just force it out. Mm-hmm. So I started just letting, you know, let it, come and then once once it clears there's always some calm and clarity and this is just my knowledge of the nervous system right or actually let's go back to basic laws every react, reaction there's equal and opportunity uh, there's an equal and okay of course now today i'm going to forget this quote an equal know. and opposite reaction thank you i've been quoting this all week and now i'm like wait a minute what is it again hashtag pressure thank you um so yeah have a have a burst of emotion. You're nervous. You're gonna feel calm after. You're gonna feel more grounded, and that does make you uh, allow you to decisions from a more grounded place. Um, and two, it allows you to like reconnect with like, the truth, whatever that is. Whether that's like your body, whether that's a faith, whether that's you know your why in the world. It allows you just to kind of come back to yourself. Um, and then the second part of that is. Um, Whatever it is that you need to do to make death okay, and this is a little bit of, you might have to trick your brain a little bit, you know? Like, I'm not saying you need to go out and believe in a religion or find a religion or any of this, you know? You can trick your brain a little bit too. You can have faith in anything, you know? You can have faith in your body and that it'll produce a miracle. You can have faith in something physical in the world, or God, or yourself, or your higher self, or there's a thousand different ways that we use the same terms. Or maybe you go out in nature and you just feel more connected to something. You don't have to know what it is. It doesn't even have to be something spiritual, but you just have to be able. That was one way that I was able to at least, like, actually the first way, honestly, that I accepted death was extreme pain. <laughs> it was just like, you know what? Well, if I die, the pain will be over. So, I mean, I don't want to die, but if it happens, okay. And literally that neutrality changes the game, changes the pain. If you're not there yet, I'm not saying you got to get to like the depths of hell before you can accept death. You really don't have to, you know, find faith in something. Um, and decide that if it happens, it's for a good reason. If it happens, you're going to a better place. If it happened, like, if it happens, it was to help someone else in their journey. Who the fuck knows? But whatever makes your brain feel safe about death, you find that. Mm. And we all have something. And for mm-hmm. Some people it's woo woo and 
spiritual, some people it's religion, and for other people, it is just science. The scientist in me was like, well, you know, if I die and then people at least are, become aware that something was going on, they're not going to treat the next patient the same way they treated me, mm. and I can be okay with that. Mm. Wow. Um, that's really empowering just to be able to find meaning in such a way that even my existence was, uh, was a warning, you know, or as a, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's a beautiful sentiment actually to, to find that when you actually, um, contract, cause there's a lot of people right now in the world dealing with this whole coronavirus thing that are fearful of getting it. Right. Um, but there are a lot of people that have it, um, or other diseases. What can you, what in your experience have you learned that you can teach us about what you call dancing with the disease? Um, yes. Okay. You know, I like to take people back to just like basic chemistry. You don't need to know all of the formulas and all the chemicals and all of the things. Just remember chemistry class. What you did learn from it was that if you poured the wrong chemicals together, boom. If you did not get the right ratio, maybe boom. Or maybe it wasn't boom, but maybe the reaction didn't happen, right? Basic chemistry in itself is a uh, ever-changing dance, a movement, right? Now, if every human was the same in the world, then science would be 100% accurate all the time and we can rely on that 100% all the time. That's why, you know, there's a bell curve, right? It works for a lot of people once we have those answers, um, but then there's some of us that fall outside of it. So when, if you're that person or during a time like this, when, you know, we don't, science has not caught up yet, then that's what I call dancing with the disease. And it goes back to the basic idea of like, Everything is a balance, you know, whether it's the right ratio of something or the right chemicals. And this comes down to, for me, um, a couple different things. The simplest way, sorry, I'm adjusting something. Uh, in the simplest way, you want to support your body. You want to support your body, support your immune system, support the thing that is going to get, you know, being in check. Well, what people don't realize and what modern science does not do a good job of explaining to people is that that also means you need to support the consequences of, what, of what's going to happen when you support your body, right? So you support your immune system. If you want to think of this as a war, which I, I don't like, but for the purposes of this explanation, there are always casualties in war, okay? Imagine the same thing happens in your body. Okay, now you have like a, a lot of extra dead shit and junk hanging around because you killed them. And what we don't realize is that stuff increases your inflammation, right? Your inflammation is already going to be probably bumping because you have a virus. But now that you killed stuff, guess what? Your inflammation is also going to go up. Um, and so you, you essentially want to conserve your energy to allow your body to be as efficient as possible, support it in a way that it can do its natural thing, which is your immune system fighting off a virus, and then support 
the detox and the, the part of parts of your body that clean out crap, right? And this is where, um, you know, can your body, and, and here's the thing, can your body do all these things on their own? You have an immune system? Yes. You have a lymphatic system? Yes, they can. But what people kind of forget is when you get sick, you are, one, you have less energy, and two, uh, you're just not, your body's not as efficient as it is. So that's why you need to take extra steps to help it or pre prevent if you are already starting, you know, not with not a system that isn't as healthy, you know, prevent these mm -hmm. things. So um, if you're, if we're, you know, if I'm, if we're going to talk about the very specific tools that you can use, um, and these are things that I have experimented with over years, uh, simply out of desperation and having no other option, no other resource to help me so i just turned it on myself and started experimenting and keeping track so um some of my favorite things are uh colloidal silver um you know elderberry is a good one um the normal stuff you hear vitamin c echinacea but those you should actually take before you get sick um and the thing is you don't need all of them you know you could drink fresh pressed orange juice and that would that would still help you mm -hmm. um what is the uh what does the silver do so the silver is actually a natural antibiotic um it is what we used before modern medicine existed so people used to put silver coins in milk to keep it from foiling um People used to um, silverware. I mean, if you if you look back at our relationship with silver, you will see that we have used it for uh, antibacterial properties before. Um, now, a lot of people will say, uh, and you know, a lot of people will come and say, "Wait, that's an antibacterial. This is a virus." My question to them before I actually answer that is, "What do you think hand sanitizer is? <laughs> antibacterial?" But um, the thing is, is it's silver and, and certain, um, certain uh, tools that are used to fight other types of uh, infections and viruses are useful because they kill the, the pathogen in a different way. So silver is known to disrupt the oxygen supply of the virus. Okay, you're disrupting, you know, its ability to thrive, you know, which then means you, you're weakened. At the minimum, you weakened it your immune system can come in and help kill it. On mm -hmm. um, what is the, uh, what is the, what do you call it? Elderberry? What does that do? Yeah, that's an, it's another just immune booster. Um, oh. All of these in one way or another, they either help kill the pathogen or they help essentially think of them as food for your immune system. Mm. So now you're, you're feeding your troops, if you will. <laughs> right. um, and so now they're going to be more powerful. However, because they're more powerful, they're killing things faster, okay? Um, and that's, that is the piece that it's so sorely missed on, you know, is, is that. Uh, a lot of people who get treatment, you know, we've been hearing things like elderberry makes it worse or ibuprofen, you know, because um, two things, you're not addressing the inflammation. If you are using an immune booster and you are not simultaneously upping your body's ability to detox, and cleanse you are going to make yourself sicker and you're going to feel it walk walk us uh briefly through that i i mean i get it but i want to make sure that that's clear 
Yeah, totally. Okay, so I'm just gonna give you, I'm gonna give you an example like from my life. Um, and actually, you know what, I'm gonna tell you what I'm doing right now. Uh, I will also say this is not everything I'm doing because for me, I, you know, I, my regimen is a whole lifestyle now, okay? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm gonna give you a few things. Okay, so silver right now. Instead of hand sanitizer, I have silver in a bottle. I bring it with me, I spray it on my hands, I spray it on a shopping cart before I have to use it if I need to. I spray it in my mouth. Sometimes I take a breath while I'm spraying it. Um, I clearly do not do this all at once. I'm saying it has many uses. Um, it can be topical, it can be internal, it can be so silver. And I'm also drinking a little bit. And when I say a little bit, I mean a little bit. Um, because for me, uh, if I kill stuff too fast, it is zero to 60 hell very quickly. Mm. For somebody who's healthy, you're not going to feel it that quickly. Um, but you will feel it if you're healthy, but you have a virus, you will also, you may not feel it as fast as I do, but you will feel it. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll drink silver simultaneously. The things that I'm doing at the same time every single day to make sure that my body is processing out toxins. I'm taking Epsom salt baths. I dry brush. I drink lemon water all day long um and if you even look at those three things they are not harsh things on the body all you're doing is trying to help the lymph in your body move and help your organs clean things out quicker and faster um i make sure i'm regularly going to the bathroom if i'm not like if i'm having challenges in that area and I will make sure to take something like magnesium. Um, I, I sweat. That's part of the bath. Um, you know, and I hydrate. You know, hydration, the reason everyone's like, drink a lot of water. Hydration is the number one simple way you clean shit out of your body. Mm. Like, that's really what you're doing. Yes, you know, we need hydration, like uh, water to stay alive. But also when you're peeing, you are flushing things out of your body. Um, and then another thing that I've been doing, um, two other things that I do for detox, uh, and this is important, organic fruit juices. Um, so I have organic, uh, apple juice that I all drink like at least 16 ounces a day. Um, and I will also consume activated charcoal because that is known for binding to toxins and helping pull them out. Meaning it's in there looking for the crap that is making you feel like shit and it's pulling it out. Mm. So those are like, that's like seven tips that I use for detoxing. I promise you, I detox more than I try to kill. <laughs> well, so <laughs> that was where that balance matters. Yes. So you can you can you can do things to kill off pathogens, but like you said, if you do it too quickly, then you're going to increase inflammation, and that's going to create a bigger problem than maybe initially yeah. was there in the first place. And inflammation shows up in a lot of different ways. You know, I mean, that's actually one of the reasons people are dying from COVID. Is 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 it, best case? It's it's inflammation at at the core. Um, and here's the thing: there's a lot of people that would be like, well, the type of inflammation and the type of this and the blah blah blah. And you know, this is where again I go back. Let's go back to just like chemistry, like. We have a certain capacity for inflammation in our body, period, before it will shut your organs down. Like that is just basic, that is known. So 
say that, you know, like, let's just say that the COVID inflammation, new inflammation we've never seen before. And oh my God, why don't you focus on clearing out the other inflammation? Because then you've just increased your capacity for that storm, yeah. if mm. you will. Mm-hmm. So this is not just, this is more of a, a, this is where I say it's more of a dance. It's more of, it's much bigger than just, we have a virus and we have to kill it. Now, every single person who listens to this, every healthy person, we all have active viruses and bacteria in our body right now, right now. So that means when you're taking anything, an antibacterial, an anti, if you notice the trend in science of people treating COVID, it's not antivirals. They're looking more at antibacterial. They're looking more at antiparasitics. They're looking at other types of killers. Guess what? If those things don't work on COVID itself, they are killing other things in your system. Mm. Why is that good? You're now freeing up your body to work on COVID. You're now freeing up your body. To, so when you clear inflammation, when and I'm not saying, uh, when I say you have other viruses and pathogens, this is not cause for concern, okay? That's uh, not cause what? Uh, this isn't, that's not cause for concern. I'm oh, not probably. saying freak out and be like, oh my God, I'm healthy. Let me go take a bunch of immune boosters. If you don't have symptoms, you're good. What it means is your body's dancing with these. You're fine. You're fine. You know, it's just it's something to be aware of because now when you're taking an immune booster, you're not just killing off what you were trying to kill. You're killing off some of these other things that just happen to be around at the same time. Mm-hmm. Inflammation increases, you know, you see how this is really just a big chemistry experiment. Totally. Get it on a larger level, you can um, flow with it and, and you can start to really um, recognize, oh shit, my inflammation is too high. Let me up my detox. Oh shit, I think I'm catching things more. Let me do some things to boost my immune system. Oh shit, I'm actually sick. What can I do to conserve energy in my body? What foods can I consume? You know, what, what does the body actually consider energy so I know, you know, where I can uh, re- relax for a minute so mm-hmm. that I can let my body do its things. All your job is, is to provide your body with the right resources to do its job. Mm. All your job is, is to allow it to do its job more efficiently. That's brilliant. Um, um, shoot, I, you just got my brain going off on something else. And I was going to ask you something prior to this. Um, just to be clear on the on the uh, the things that reduced inflammation of of all the things that you mentioned. Can you just recap that again? So what are the specific things that somebody could take to reduce inflammation? Um, if you're looking for like the heavier duty things, I would start with activated charcoal. Um, but you, you don't really need that just to begin with. Um, the things that I did every day for years, lemon water, Epsom salt baths, and dry brushing, either before the bath or before a shower. When I'm having a die-off reaction, meaning my inflammation is high because I killed things too quickly, I jump to those first. I can feel immediate relief. Uh, dry brushing is like literally the. Literally that. Yeah. So yeah. 
for those that can't see my amazing <laughs> visualization, uh, just explain real quick what that actually is. Um, it's just a, a, a brush with like, it's got like a body brush with really stiff bristles. Um, and so at first, you know, this is not like a massage, like it doesn't feel fantastic until you get used to it. However, what it's doing, um, your, your circulatory system has your heart, heart is a pump. So shit is always moving in your circulatory system. Your lymphatic system does not. So with dry brushing, you are manually uh, moving the lymph in your system, aka circulating things, which is how it gets to the liver and, and the kidneys. And this is how you pull things out. This is how the organs that actually do detoxifying um, is able to pull those toxins. You know, you lymph gets static, um, especially you know if you're not feeling well, especially if you have any other co comorbidities. Um, also, you know, we just have more toxins in our environment than we used to. So if there's any case to help your body work more efficiently, you know, that's it. Um, and is that somebody, is that something that somebody can do for themselves? Like just even with one of those, uh, yeah, really the first time I ever went and did it, I got a dry brush off Amazon for, I don't know, but it wasn't very expensive. And then I went on YouTube and I YouTubed how to dry brush. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, really? And at the time I was like, okay, I don't know if this is going to work, but I'm going to just try it for a week. I'm going to try it before my bath and I'm going to see if I can notice a difference. Now, I'm really sensitive, so I can notice a very big difference. You know? Which was what? I'm also very in tune with my body. Um, so I know it's 100% it works. You know? um, what, what difference did you notice? So if I was having a die-off reaction, so once I got this diagnosis and we realized I had a shit ton of viruses and infections um, running rampant in my body, next step was <laughs> fight them, fight them off, beat them into submission, get into, a, get into a boxing ring with them. So things got a lot worse before they got better. And mm. that's how I learned this stuff hard way. <laughs> um, Actually, for example, the very first time I took this uh, natural antibiotic um, to to locate one of the um, locations to target one of the uh, infections, I went from totally fine like this to a twenty-four hour panic attack. Twenty-four it, hours. It was a nightmare. Oh. So. Uh, you know, for me, I also had a lot of, you know, at this point, infections everywhere, including my brain. Uh, inflammation in the brain will do all sorts of fun things. That is one of them. It's worse. I've, I had, some of the stories I have would, would shock people. What's the, what's the craziest one? Real quick. Oh, gosh. The craziest one? I mean, I have, I've gone from like this to suicidal in five minutes. Because of pain? Because of, no, because of taking uh, like a, a medication to kill something. And I, you know, you start at this point when you don't know, you're guessing, right? So even with the doctors, like they're guessing. So they're like, okay, start at this dose. We learned very quickly that, um, you know, I, I was sensitive to things, you know, maybe it's because I had a high rate of infection, who knows? But yeah, it was a die-off reaction. You know, and so because I started having these extreme, like I spent months 
like delirious, like completely delirious. I, if you were around me, I sounded like I was on drugs. I sounded like I was drunk. Um, I just, I, I could not put sentences together. Um, it, oh, what, you know, what, what I had your... seizures of absence at some point. That's what they described them as. Who knows? What I experienced was I was there and then I was gone for a few hours. No idea where I went. And then wow. I, <laughs> I mean, wow. yeah, so all sorts of, and it was when I was tackling some of the brain infection stuff that I experienced the most craziness. And so I knew like d- detox was important and and I've been doing Epsom salt baths. It was actually one way I was helping keep some, some mono and stuff in check previously. And I just was like, all right, maybe this is an inflammation reaction. Like maybe, let me just, let me just try. Let, let me just, okay, you know, what do, what are patients and people saying? What, are, let me just, I don't know if any of this is going to work. Let me try. And because I experienced such severe symptoms for so long and so often and getting the infections in check took minimum a year and a half. Mm. So because of that, I started noticing patterns, you know? So say, so say I had a very bad die off reaction like that. Uh, immediately, like I almost, you know, was drinking lemon water. Um, and because I would notice like, say I took something and all of a sudden I was having, you know, like what seemed all my inflammation, my inflammation, all my symptoms were increasing. That's also often an indication of die-off if you've just taken like something that is designed to either help kill uh, the virus or boost your immune system. Uh, so I just, I would like drink lemon water and all of a sudden like my head that was trying to split open would like calm down a notch. Then I would take an Epsom salt bath, you know, and after it, like, I felt like calm down another, like, five notches. Mm-hmm. So then I, when I was like, let me just try dry brushing. Honestly, like, I was the biggest skeptic on dry brushing. Like, I was like, what? Brushing my skin is going to somehow make me feel better and make my bath more efficient? Like, okay. But then, you know, as I was, you know, experiencing such severe symptoms that is realizing like you know at some point you slow down the rate of killing as much as you can right You're prescribing the lowest dose they can prescribe me um we even went to compounding pharmacies to make sure there wasn't extra toxins in them and that actually reduced some of my reactions too, by the way um and so at this point, it was like, all right, well, I can't kill any slower. So what can I do to help my body? Like, I, I, I just want to make sure I'm pooping consistently. And I want to pee a lot. And I want to sweat a lot. And anything I can do that makes all of these processes more efficient, I'm just going to try, even if somebody said it. And I, it sounds crazy to me. You know, when I say crazy, at that point, you know, I was still just judging things based on science. Oh, the science fact. I don't know. You know what? I have nothing to lose. I'm going to try it. <laughs> wow. Um, you had some really interesting thoughts on uh, relationship to pain, pain in your body, and how obviously a lot of people try to avoid pain. They, we don't like pain. Um, give us some of the insights that you have in relationship to that concept. Yeah. Of Ooh, pain. pain. Pain is not good. <laughs> 
It's not bad. It just is. Um, literally, it just is. And um, if we're talking specifically to the body, pain is the only way your body can communicate with you. Literally, it's language. That is all. So when we're sitting here in pain and we're, we're making it mean something bad, you know, it's not something bad. It's not always something bad. Um, what it's telling you, so, so in that moment when your pain, when my pain is going up in a die-off reaction, that is my body saying, hey, the inflammation is too high. I need your help. Do something. When I had um, pain, so that's what is your body trying to talk to you. And instead of taking it and then looking at how we can support the body's processes, what do we do? We take it, we need something bad. We actually kind of, like, let's be honest, we actually kind of diss our body, like, oh, you know, my fucking knee's hurting again, or my, this, we're, we're kind of mean to our body. We treat it like an inconvenience. And then very often we take something, massive pain. And then we wonder why we get sicker and why we get worse, right? Mm -hmm. So this is why. It's because of our relationship to pain is really fucked up, okay? Pain, when it comes to your body, it is just a language. It's just trying to tell you, hey, I need your help because something is out of balance. And on my own at the moment, I can't get it back in, so I need you to, to take an action, whether that's rest, as simple as that, whether that's hydrate, as simple as that, or whether it's, you know, detox and take a bath and, and you know, take, do five things, um, you know, and you really only learn what it is that you need to do when you stop and you acknowledge your body, the body part, the pain. And really, I just got to this point where, you know, I had some massive pain and, you know, I also have uh, shingles nerve damage. So that that's actually what really helped me start to realize that pain was actually very incredibly useful um, mm. and that it wasn't my body trying to, you know, kill me. <laughs> um, but I just started asking the body part, like all of a sudden something flares up really bad and I'm like, okay, okay, arm, I hear you. Hello. <laughs> Thanks body. Thank you for getting my attention. I'll see you now. So um, I don't know what's going on. What can I do to help? And, you know, this took years of mastery. Like, this took having no other option. And I'm, if I'm being frank, I get the people who are skept skeptical and who are assigned to everything. Because I was one of them, you know. So okay. this took no other option. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I should just ask my pain what it needs. Like, let me just ask my body. I like how you look around first, just make sure. Yeah, because that was literally, I, I was like sitting, this started literally, I was sitting on the floor of my bathroom in excruciating pain and I didn't know what to do. And I, and this is, there have been times I've tried all my detox practices. I still feel like shit, you know? So I, so these are, I mean, these are dire times. This is not like, you know, this is like, I've tried everything that I know, even some of the crazy things that, you know, I'd learned over you know, crazy by the modern definition. And so then I was like, well, I don't think my body is trying to kill me. In fact, hold up. My body, <laughs> there's nobody, nothing, no one in the world that is more invested in me staying alive than my body. Mm. So I was like, hold up. So 
maybe it's just trying to tell me something. And so then it's, it was born from that. It was really born like on the floor in excruciating pain with no, I didn't know what to do. And so I just asked, what do you need? And you know, at first I didn't get answers and you know, part, a lot of it was probably because I was skeptical and I was kind of like, ah, that's not gonna work. And then I would just kept doing it. And then I started getting like, you need more water. <laughs> Go take a bath, you know? Um, hey, you know that new thing you've been hearing that keeps coming across your sphere in different ways? That, that's your next modality. You need to look into that. Hmm. That's the next type of doctor you need to talk to. And that was just, that was how, that was how I had my biggest breakthrough year, actually. Which was what? 2019. What, uh, oh, the year, you're saying the last year was your biggest breakthrough, but was there something in particular that you, your intuition was- led you to that made it? Oh, um, oh, that's a tough question because I do so many things. Um, I mean, are you are you saying that your year last year was was your biggest breakthrough year because you were able to intuit what you because your body I was relying on my body and my intuition to tell me the next step. And I, I should also caveat that with, don't get me wrong, I love Western medicine. I right. still have my pick line because I have a really, really sensitive nervous system. And, you know, let's be honest, sometimes that takes a little bit of time to heal, you know? Uh, but first, you have to believe it's going to heal. You know, if I look at the evidence, the evidence says I will not heal, I will not get better. The people that have my mix of comorbidities, majority of them just get worse. So... I remember looking at the evidence once and just being like, holy shit, this is all doom. You know what? I'm just going to leave the door open. Maybe this is my future. Maybe not. And um, that started this idea of, you know, okay. Like, and then, you know, knowing that this all started because I did not listen to my gut with the vaccine, you know, I didn't go overnight and start being like intuition and everything. I'm being honest, like, you know, and this is why I, I know this stuff. I do have compassion for people who are skeptical or who, or who haven't really connected with their body yet. I get it because I didn't, even knowing that, even knowing it was going against my own gut, which is what sent me down this path, you know, it, it was a process. I still went and found doctors. I still, you know, relied on my doctors. It started with like, you know, pulling in my own resources telling my doctors about it then you know it somewhere in 2018 it was about 50 50 if they told me to do something and you know i'd kind of wait and then i just got much better at honing in on my gut all of 2019 there was not one new modality one new medication one new anything modern modern medicine gave me wow that that i took in my health was you know as you're saying that um we really do already listen to our body we like we listen to our gut we say things like, well, what does your heart say? You yeah. know, is your heart in it? I mean, we already are listening to at least some bigger parts of our body. <laughs> I'm in my head, right? Um, so why not ask the other, the other parts of my body, what is my arm knee? What is my you know, shoulder? It, it's <laughs> literally, it's because our relationship to pain is fucked up. Uh, That's the reason, uh, you know, pain, we immediately in our brain, did, like write a story that it's something bad so yep. that is how we treat it we just want it to stop right away that's all we don't care about why is this really happening what is the root what imbalance is going on in my body you know we don't really ask those questions as we, we two one we don't want to be inconvenienced right 
we want to go on and live our lives and we don't want to be stuck in a quarantine and we don't want to have to stop work and we don't want to, you know, so we don't want to be inconvenient. And so that leads us to pain is a bad thing. Let me band-aid on it. Yes. Well, what a big epiphany for me relatively recently was the whole idea that uh, like a fever is your body making a very hostile environment for yes. whatever yes. that you have. So the pain of the fever is actually your body heating up to get rid of the thing that actually is not healthy for my body. And so this is the relationship to pain thing that you're talking about. Once I understood that, oh, that's a good thing. Am I actually helping my body by trying to reduce the fever? You're actually creating a, a more winning environment for exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I bet you the next time you get a fever, and this is why this goes back to the fear aspect. This is why it's important to accept your emotions. The pain is still gonna hurt. It's still gonna fucking suck. I've experienced pain to the depths of you have no idea with nerve damage. It is still gonna sometimes make you want to fucking crawl out of your skin and think crazy thoughts like, would it be easier to just jump off the balcony and wait? That's probably not a good idea. Like it will still rip you open. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is you have to let it, meaning I'm not saying do crazy things, you cry, scream, vent. This is comes back to that same thing. You have to accept it and 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 don't lie to yourself. Like this is not a pain is good, so you know, don't complain about it. No. Then it sucks. It sucks. And it's a good thing. Both and. It sucks and it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it fucking hurts. And it's a good thing. And and if we if we marry those two things together, it's okay to say that it fucking hurts. And it's okay to also decide that it's good. We would it would change our entire relationship. And you know, we're talking about the body today, so you know it's important. Pain in any form of life, this this is true. Different discussion, but you will start to extrapolate it to every other area in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, now next time you have a fever, you're going to be like, this fucking sucks. And you're going to be like, oh, go body. Yeah, my body's kicking ass right now. Yeah, yeah and you're going to be like, high five body. And you know, the other thing that we don't realize is that sometimes pain is also designed to lay us out for a reason. Your body needs the energy. You know, your body needs the energy to focus all its resources on that. And as a healthy human, you don't realize that walking takes energy. Breathing takes energy. Talking takes energy. Um, Digesting takes a shit ton of energy. So all these things we take for granted, we don't realize it takes energy. And so the secondary purpose of when your body is forcibly laying you out is so that it can divert all of this energy to this. Mm-hmm. For those that are listening to this call who uh, are healthy, what can you say to them? Like, what have you learned? Every time that I've gotten sick in the past and I get healthy, I'll spend the next couple of days like being healthy is fucking amazing. Like, <laughs> I've taken this so for granted that I can just get up and walk to the store or do this. And then you kind of forget about it and you get in your routine again or whatever. What, yeah. what what can you share with us to, to help us appreciate what we may have in this very moment? Oh man, <laughs> that, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I, I have to say it's, it's interesting watching all of this as someone who's gone through a lot of these things um, because you're right. People, people really, um, it's easy to get back into 
the pattern. Um, what I would say is, is uh, once you realize that your body has your back more than any other entity in the world, um, if you think about that in terms of a relationship, right? If there was a human in your life that was like that, you know, immediately moves, gets up and starts working for you and fighting for you and supporting you. And when you don't even listen to it and you keep going anyway, it's, it's still here. You know, how many times do we ignore the call for rest and things like that? We do it. We all do it. Um, if you had a human like that in your life, you would love shit out of them <laughs> you would take care of them yep. you would want to spend time with them so what i would say is that you know all bad things happen for a reason you get to decide the reason you know mo and most bad things are not bad all you have to do is change a few things with your lens and a whole new world will open up you know with your health and with all of the other things on your mind right now that are tripping you up mm -hmm. you know it, it's not about like dismissing them it's about realizing that it's not good it's not bad it just is so i get to decide mm. i get to decide right now is this good or is this bad and when you start to live from that perspective if you just every day woke up and you lived from that perspective your life will look a lot different. Mm -hmm. For somebody who's maybe listening to this and does have COVID or, or anything else for that matter, what, what would be a message that you'd like to share with them? Um, you know, that message would be twofold. The first is that I get it and I, I get um, it's a challenge to observe what's happening in the world. Um, and uh, not just stay calm, but also share the information that we know, you know, I get it. It's hard. Um, but this is a time again, to lean into your body, you know, and, um, I, I also know that there are going to be a lot of sick people who listen to this and, and will also have their perspective change. So, you know, you have to, it's, this is, I, I, t I tend to say it's not a war because that's not the right mindset that's pinning you against your body. Um, you know, if you want to put a fight acronym, you know, it's a boxing match, you fight it out and then you shake hands and you hug it out afterward, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and then, you know, I like to say it's the dance. Uh, it's okay to be scared. And, you know, that's my message to everyone. It's okay, you know, allow that to come out so you can make room for what's next. And what's next is gonna be Oh, so much more brilliant in your wild imagination. You just, you got to let it come up and out first. Mm -hmm. oh, that, I love that message. Um, Melissa, this has been fantastic information. I think um, I'm going to have somebody go in and, and write all this up so that we have some, a, just sort of a clear um, blueprint of, of what somebody can do to handle the fear, to um, dancing, with the disease and then ultimately how to boost their immune system and do various things to detox, reduce inflammation, et cetera. Um, Melissa, thank you so much for your time. Somebody who might be interested in reaching out and connecting with you, um, where might they go? Uh, probably the quickest right now is Facebook. Um, you know, if you, if you look me up, I'm pretty easy to find. And a lot of my posts right now are public because I, you know, I get the fear and I want to help people navigate this um, time. 
Um, so that's probably the quickest way. I am on Instagram as Melissa the Seer. Um, so, um, but I'm just becoming more present on there. So either one of those. Okay, good deal. And I'll put links to both of those on the website at pkexperience.com. Um, Melissa, thank you so much for your time. This is awesome. Thank you. All right.